Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Real Positive Girl podcast. My name is Sabrina. Happy Tuesday to you all. I hope that you're having a magnificent day and that the second day in the week is just going fabulous for you. Literally, though, yesterday, I turned to my husband and I was like, what day is it? And he's like, it doesn't matter anymore. It's okay. It could be any day. It could be Saturday or it could be Tuesday. And I was like, it's not Tuesday. It's Monday. And, you know, it's just, it's funny because now that I forever work remotely well at least as far as we can tell work remotely from home um working for our family business that my husband created about two years ago it's just it really is sinking in that I don't know what day it is sometimes even more so than quarantine has pushed us to feel and experience just not knowing what day it is but truly sometimes I've been forgetting what day it is when it's actually crucial for me to know what day it is because of the podcast and because of posting other things on socials and just giving up my planner but anyway so uh there's always a ramble right there's always a ramble right at the beginning but again happy Tuesday to you all I hope that you're having a fantastic day whether your day is just beginning it's in the middle or it's towards the end and just remember to take the five minute reset time if you are not having a good day if you are struggling if you are riding that struggle bus all throughout the whole day I just want to encourage you that you can go ahead and take a step off of that And you can just take the five minute reset, which is taking at least five minutes uh, alone by yourself. And if you have more time, please take more time, but at least five minutes to just kind of reset, come back to baseline and just realize that you can kind of just shed all of those problems, that weight that is just holding you down and causing you aggravation, anxiety, sadness, anger, you know, whatever it is, and just kind of let it go and kind of shake it off and restart even if it's at the middle or end of your day, it doesn't matter. You can restart as many times as you want and during whatever time of day you choose. Also, I encourage you to also um, come up with four things that you are grateful for, at least four, and those can be big things, small things, middle things. You know, you can be grateful for being able to go to Target today. You can be grateful for um, your favorite artist dropping their newest album. You can be grateful for having a super yummy lunch with a friend. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. You can be grateful for it, and I encourage you to list at least four. Also make sure that if you do have extra time, go ahead and try to problem solve whatever crap is just coming against you, you know, that has given you some problems. Spend some time maybe like thinking, what can I do to make tomorrow better to be able to tackle that or be able to avoid that or whatever it is you need to do. But also the most important thing is to be able to walk away from your five minute reset feeling at least neutral, if not positive about the rest of your day. And even if it's towards the end of the day, because you want to make sure that you're able to enjoy and embrace the rest of your day knowing that tomorrow can be a better day and that you can still you know thrive and enjoy whatever the rest of the day has for you and just know that there's so many things that's why I asked you to do the gratitude list because there are still things you can be grateful for despite whatever's coming down on you so I encourage you if you're in a hard time take the five minute reset but again happy Tuesday just a reminder that this week we're talking about social anxiety and today Tuesday we're going to talk about personal origins of social anxiety which will just be me giving a quick breakdown of some of the ways that we develop social anxiety so let's go ahead and just jump right in Just as everyone is different, social anxiety is going to develop differently for everyone, obviously, because, you know, we all develop at a different rate, we all learn different things, different things affect us in different ways, and research shows that parents who have social anxiety have a 30 to 40% chance of passing it along genetically 
to their children, which isn't that like, that's a pretty high percentage. And, but it's tough to know how much of that is actual genetics and just parenting style. And a lot of the research that I did would say the same thing. It's really hard to tell if it's actual genetics or if it's parenting style, or even if the child is just observing the parent, you know, dealing and struggling through their own social anxiety disorder and um, those social anxiety symptoms. So sometimes it's just really like mirrored behavior, even not necessarily like negative parenting or genetics and just mirrored behavior from the child. Um, So it's, 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 it can be so many things. And there is a common connection between negative parenting styles and the development of anxiety, including social anxiety. So with behaviors like being over controlling, quick to criticize, lack of showing affection, a child's view of the world and their self-image can be poorly shaped and developed. So, and I'm sure that a lot of you are like, you know, you're telling yourself, yep, that's true. I've been through that. I've totally experienced that. You're absolutely right. And so, yeah, it's just that negative parenting. And that's always something that I knew growing up that I needed to avoid. And it's not necessarily that I give my child everything or that, you know, I like dote on her like super much, but I'm always very cognizant of the way that I'm speaking to her, how I'm talking to her, how I'm explaining things to her, even how I'm disciplining her so that it isn't those things of over-controlling, quick to criticize, lack of showing affection, especially that one. Um, what can happen is children raised like this will become more fearful and less trustful of others with their self-esteem, self-worth, and self-confidence negatively affected as well. You know, and the bummer about this is social anxiety isn't generally diagnosed until adulthood, making it much harder to overcome. You know, you're not really getting any sort of like quote unquote jump start on being able to tackle social anxiety because it's not diagnosed until you're older. Like I spoke about yesterday, it can be it can be recognized or not not recognized it can start to develop as early as age 11 and but I like I think it's like 50% and then 80% of people I'm forgetting my even my own um statistics that I was talking about yesterday let's just jump back and take a peek aroo yes I was right <laughs> uh, 50% happened by age 11 and 80% happened before age 20 and so just thinking about that just thinking about how it can just it happens so soon but not necessarily knowing about it fully inside and not actually getting diagnosed by professional and not being able to work on it until you're much later in your life where things are already more messy, more stressful, more full. It makes it so much harder to, you know, overcome those struggles. And in addition to developing social anxiety during childhood, it can occur from a variety of environmental factors. And some examples are, you know, being bullied growing up or even um, as an adolescent, as an adult, Um, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, um, family divorce, uh, domestic violence, family distress, death, or leaving of a parent, and many other traumatic events. And it's those traumatic events that reinforce that the world is a scary place and unreliable to be in that causes the social anxiety to develop. And so for me, definitely when I was doing this research, you know, growing up, there was definitely um, emotional and physical abuse. Um, You know, my parents weren't ever married, so not necessarily divorced, but there was that 
family distress of, you know, they were both being at their throats, but then there was times when I found out that they were secretly together and it's like all this craziness. And then, you know, um, my mother did die at a young age and then, you know, I was just like left alone so much growing up. And so it's just like, for me, it's a culmination of all of those things. Um, just coming together and definitely contributing to me personally having social anxiety. And I'm sure that some of you out there could definitely agree or relate with that as well. Um, also a serotonin imbalance can contribute to this disorder as well. You know, serotonin is the chemical that regulates mood in the brain. And in addition to that, an overactive, uh, an overactive, uh, amygdala, which is a structure in the brain that controls fear response and feelings or thoughts of anxiety can also cause the disorder, cause social anxiety, which when we encounter a perceived threat and anxiety, focus like our mental focus shifts to the prefrontal cortex, which is supposed to calm those reactions by assessing the situation and telling the amygdala, amygdala to chill out, you know, chill if there is no real threat. But For those suffering from social anxiety, the prefrontal cortex actually gets the amygdala all jacked up instead of calmed down, therein interpreting social experiences as threats and not being able to rationally evaluate the situation. So it's just like all jumbled up in there, you know, like you may be relying on your brain to do one thing to be like, hey, this person is experiencing anxiety, thinks that there's a threat, and you know prefrontal cortex is supposed to be there as the garden being like no it's cool it's cool man no we're cool but then it does the opposite when when we suffer from for people that suffer from social anxiety and so you're just like you're kind of already you know at a loss right there so you know that's kind of disappointing but it's okay because like you know the brain brain is an amazing thing but sometimes when things are just not wired properly the correct responses are not there and the good thing about this is that the brain can be like reconfigured, rewired, you know, especially with um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is actually one of the most recommended therapies for those suffering from social anxiety. And so I always talk about how it's important to realize and recognize when you actually can benefit from professional help and to not feel ashamed, not feel bad that you Um, have the need to reach out to them when you don't feel like you anything that you may be doing yourself to help combat it or you know have or the loved ones or people in your life are trying to help you like figure it out move through the struggles be you know kind of overcome it but when you come to that dead end where you have done everything that you believe that you can do all you can do is reach out to a professional who actually knows what kind of therapy you need what kind of things you should be doing you know, to kind of help you along in the process. So I just want to kind of reinforce that right now, just to know that it's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's something that can be super, super helpful and life-changing. And, you know, for me growing up, I had an isolated upbringing, you know, being left alone constantly and tons of fear instilled in me from a young age. Um, you know, also the ways my parents parented me was not the best at all. You know, I was, I was raised by a drug dealer, um, a narcissist and a bunch of random people along the way, you know, gave me a difficult childhood, but you know, there were a few bursts of hope in there helping me to become the person I am today. But you know, yeah, my mom, my mom was a drug dealer. My dad was a narcissist and also had issues with his own. My mother created issues for him within um, the government and also um, other issues with like work. And he was dealing with so many of his own problems. Like 
having to raise a child on his own was the last thing. It's like I wasn't necessarily raised by my mom. Like they didn't live together. I would spend a lot of time, um, you know, visiting her and she made a really big point of trying to live around me um, most of the time. And so I'd be able to walk to visit her or have like a barely a short car ride for her to come pick me up and come stay with her and so but it was always something that my dad didn't like but he knew that he had to kind of let it happen because he knew that I needed a woman figure in my life and despite you know the people that he was with and girlfriends and stuff like that it just wasn't enough and that's a whole nother thing in itself but you know he was trying to like let that be a thing because you know she was my mom but she was also not the greatest parent at all she had her own troubles they both had their own issues and and then all the other random people in there you know the girlfriends and the friends and the friends of my mom who were just just as bad if not worse than her and you know there's like one of my worst memories ever is being locked um in someone's house I still can't remember whose house it was I'm pretty sure I blocked it out in the dark and it was one of those um it was like an apartment but it was like on the basement level so it only really had windows that would um peek out into like the front lawn kind of kind of situation do you know what I'm talking about those like sub-level windows and I remember screaming and crying for someone to come back and get me for hours and hours and hours because my mom had just left me there and her and her friend had left and I just remember I think I was asleep by the time that they actually returned but it was hours hours and hours just left me there and I believe I was like five or seven years old so anyway those negative things have shaped me into who I am but also have contributed to so many struggles and challenges um, particularly mentally that I go through but I just want to tell you that you know like whether your social anxiety has to do with how your parents treated you, um, the trauma you experienced growing up, or an imbalance in your brain, it still isn't something that reflects truly who you are and everything about you. You know, despite everything that I've personally gone through, you know, um, anything that you have gone through, whether it's as much as I've gone through, whether it's more, whether it's less, it doesn't matter. You know, we're not here measuring and comparing who went through the worst and like a you know, crowning them the winner at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, what I'm saying to you is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't reflect um, who you are and what you're about. It doesn't truly um, tell people who you are. You know, um, you are not defined by your struggles or illnesses. You know, those things shape us into who we are and help us grow, but aren't the end all be all of who we are. You know, who we are is how we come out of the situations, who we are is who we grow up to be despite all those things, who we are is how we grow and learn while trying to recover from all those things and recover from what we're going through right now. And so I just want to encourage you again that if you've come to the end of your rope and you don't know what to do to help yourself to overcome your social anxiety, depression, um, generalized anxiety, you know, sadness, suicidal ideation, um, whatever it may be, I encourage you to seek professional help because honestly, you know, you can do a bunch of self-help things. You can listen to podcasts like these or read books, or you can go to big seminars. You can read things on the internet, um, daily affirmations. All those things are great. However, 
there comes a point sometimes if you are just continuing to hit your head against the wall and nothing is working, you need to find professional help. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to reach out, maybe have a friend help you. That's how um, I was able to get back into therapy like the second or third time that I needed it. Um, a friend uh, helped me and reached out to people actually, helped me find someone that I was with for a couple of years. And then I've since moved on from that person because that relationship kind of fizzled, but it was still a really good experience when I had that therapist. And, you know, and it was so nice to have someone there um, to help me find them because I was just not quite there enough to understand what I needed and how to look for that kind of thing. And so maybe there's someone in your life that you trust and that cares about you and they can help you find the person that you need. But even if not, I encourage you to have the strength and courage to go look for that professional help if you need it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode right here. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Real Positive Girl podcast. My name is Sabrina. I hope that you've really enjoyed this episode. And if you know someone else that would really enjoy it, I encourage you to share it with them. And uh, take a look at the description box for any notes for the show, um, my website, my email address for any questions, comments, concerns, or prayer requests. Also, where you can find me on Instagram. Come by and say hi. Um, I haven't developed an Instagram page specifically for the podcast. I'm not sure that I will. I don't know if anyone would actually be interested in that, but if you do have feedback on that, let me know. Um, again, happy Tuesday. I hope that you have a great day and I encourage you to come back and listen to the rest of the episodes for this week and then yesterday's episode as well, where I started the series of social anxiety. But until then, have a great one and I will talk to you next time. Bye guys.